a skinny white kid talks about the Oscars. Hello and welcome to my new episode of A Skinny White Kid Talks About Movies. Today, as the title said, we're going to talk about the Oscars, specifically the 94th Oscar noms. So that's the ceremony that's going to take place in 2022, but for the movies that came out in 2021, just to be really specific in case people get confused. No, I'm not talking about last year's nominations this year because that would be not very smart, but I'm also not talking about what I think is going to get nominated at the next ceremony because for some reason the movies of the year ceremony is all the way in March. I appreciate back when it's like the first week of February because then it gives like a month of voting. You're still February. As soon as you get to March or an April ceremony, it's like, dang, we're almost, we're closer halfway through the year than we are to the beginning of the year. But anyways, March 27th is the day this year. And I think we should start getting into it. So this was a fun year for actually waking up and watching the Oscar nominations at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now, not a lot of people are going to agree with that, but I had fun. So now that the nominations are out, I'm going to go through most of the categories and give a prediction for a winner and talk about if I felt differently than some of the nominations or maybe why they happened. And so starting like the Oscars always do with a supporting category that I have a lot to say about we're going to the nominations for best supporting actress so nominee the first nomination was jesse buckley in the last daughter and that was a huge surprise and i'm probably gonna watch that movie about tonight and i think she's very talented so it doesn't surprise me that people thought her performance was worthy but just this just didn't seem like a possibility for a nomination she's not really written about i believe she hit none of the apparent precursors so huge shock happy for her she probably pushed out like a couple people. Best Supporting Actress wasn't hyper competitive. There were a lot of people that thought could possibly. So I think the voting just felt her way. And I think that's really cool for her. Sorry, I had a burp. I'm not going to now. Now we're going to go on because they were listed alphabetically to the nomination that I was really unhappy about. And it's not even actually, I got them wrong in alphabetical order. But the one that I wrote down second is Judy Dench in Belfast. And Katerina Belfay was. The person that was supposed to get an Oscar nom, or like, quote unquote, supposed to get an offer nom through Belfast. And I really didn't think there's any, well, I didn't really honestly thought anyone deserved an Oscar nom for Belfast. So I wasn't super excited for that. But then there's a huge surprise where probably the supporting actress with the second most screen time made it in. And you know what? I kind of hated on this movie when I did my other podcast on it. And I stand by that. And I will go on, on record to say that Judy Dench spells her way in an annoying way. She was the worst part of Cats, and her wig in this was worse than her hair in Cats. So I'm not predicting her for a win. I'm shocked she got nominated. I'm truly unhappy about it. You might say, Kyle, why are you so mean to Dame Judy Dench? One, she doesn't care what I think. But two, I'm just being honest with you. So the third person who I think is going to win, uh, the third nominee who I believe will be the winner is Ariane DeBose. And she was in West Side Story as Anita. And the role of Anita is just really incredible. And I would not be surprised if it was only in two Oscar wins. Obviously, the first one was Rita Moreno in the original West Side Story. It's just a very meaty role in terms of, like, the emotional content and how many, like, different scenes they're in. But also just the singing and dancing. They have – Anita has the biggest numbers, the best numbers, and the most dramatic scenes. And probably the most variation between their dramatic scenes. So Anita's just, like, kind of an epic role. I would – I do mean epic in the tragedy. So – I'm not sure. It's definitely a role that could produce two Oscar winners, and it probably will. And Ariane DeBose, I think, was really, really great in it. Um, Anjanou Ellis for King Richard, 
and Kirsten Dun- and Kirsten Dunst round out the nominees. And those were great roles, so I wouldn't complain. And maybe I'm crazy or this is too punitive, but I feel like Dunst didn't have that much screen time. Uh, so I wouldn't like support her for a win, but like, I don't know. And I actually checked the screen time and they're actually all about the same. So I think I was just being mean to Dunst. So uh, go to Bose. But if I was voting supporting actress, I would have much different picks. And the winner would be Susanna's son as Strawberry and Red Rocket. But that was never, ever going to happen. I am slightly surprised because Nightmare Alley did make a Best Picture nomination that Kate Blanchett didn't ride the hurt ride that coattails into here because like I think that she gave the best performance in that movie and it was a really interesting role. And but uh, I would also like to shout out Gabby Hoffman, an actress I had never really heard of in Come On, Come On, as uh, just a role that I really really liked. But that movie gained no Oscar steam, so I didn't expect it. Now, we're almost five minutes in this podcast, and I haven't really made that much forward momentum. So I'm going to run through a few categories as fast as possible. Costume design, Cruella, Cyrano, Cyrano, I mean, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. And what a bunch of great costumes. And I'll be honest, those dresses in Cruella were next level. So throw her a bone, pun intended, and let Cruella win. Dune probably will win. But I'll predict Cruella. So Ariana DeBose, Cruella, those are my predictions. Sound, Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, Power of the Dog. Um, Did I only write four? Oh, the fifth one is West Side Story. Oh, that's good because people are predicting Power of the Dog and Dune to win. But I feel the musicals have a really strong gasp on this category. So, And I would vote for any of these except Belfast, by the way. I really thought that all of them have really impressive sound work. And I wish A Quiet Place Part 2 or Candyman made it, mostly because I really loved how the... Candyman sound design shifted from speaker to speaker in the theater, but I do I do think West Side Story will take it home. Visual effects: Dune, Free Guy, Shang Chi, Spider Man, No Way Home, and No Time to Die. Dune is winning this, and Dune deserves to win it. I'm skipping short films and documentary categories, so now make a pace style. Coming to America, Corella, Dune, Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. Tammy Faye is winning. Moving on, international feature film. The winner will be Drive My Car, and I haven't seen any, so I'm just skipping this. Boom, that's like two minutes. I've gone through like four categories. This is a more interesting one. Animated feature, Encanto, Flea, Mitchells vs. the Machines, Luca, and Ryan the Last Dragon. I think this is a lot closer than people anticipate. Firstly, Encanto is the favorite, and I think it does have a really great chance of winning. But Mitchells vs. the Machines was created by Lord and Miller, who were the brains behind Spider-Verse. <clears throat> and obviously that movie previously won them an Oscar. Luca is a Pixar movie. They've been dominant in this category for almost 30 years. And Flea had a lot of support being nominated for Best Documentary and Best International Feature, along with this nomination. Um, but what I think seals the deal for Encanto is that it made score. It has solo score, solo nomination for Best Original Score. And I think that if a Disney movie that's so musical-focused can make it in that core, uh, category, it should win this. But maybe people are just passionate about the score because Disney Animation Studios hasn't been that dominate in this category, dominant in this category, but I do predict in Canada. So original song is Be Alive from King Richard, lyric by Dixon and Beyonce, Dos Orgutius, or uh, the worst ever at Spanish, from Encanto, music and lyric by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Down to Joy from Belfast, music and lyric by Van Morrison, No Time to Die from Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, and somehow you do from Four Good Days, music and lyric by Diane Warren. Personally, I would love if a song that is actually featured in the movie rather than just an end credit song wins. So I'm going to vote for Encanto. Be Alive does have the Beyonce bump, but the expected winner is Billie Eilish because 
She seems to win every award she's nominated for at the Grammys, and she's such a popular pop star. And the last two Bond songs have won Oscars, but I'm not really like a fan of her. So maybe I'm just looking for excuse to not predict this. But Lin Miranda had a great year. He had Tick Tick Boom, the music for Encanto, and last year he had the Hamilton uh, Disney Plus release. So there's a lot of love for him right now. I think his like the Lin Manuel Miranda Goodwill is like at peak, especially factor and in the hikes was really well reviewed so i think his narrative is just really really very strong and i think he pulls it off despite this not even being the most popular song from encanto and i also think that one thing that's gonna help him is that no time to die came out over a year before the movie came out and i think that people don't really connect it with the movie and i also think that's too long for people to still be passionate about the no time to die song so moving on to music original score so Power of the Dog by Johnny Greenwood, Parallel Mothers by Alberto Iglesias, Encanto by Jermaine Franco, Dune by Hans Zimmer, and Don't Look Up by Nicholas Patel. I saw all these movies, proud of myself. Personally, I wish Nathan Johnson would be nominated and win for his Nightmare Alley score, and Alexandre Desplat for The French Dispatch. Carl Bilbao for The Tragic of Macbeth were also scores I feel really passionately about. So of these nominees... That which were my favorite, I just listed three that I like better. I think it could be Greenwood's here just because I believe he's never won and it's, it's starting to become one of those things where it's due for him or the Encanto love may continue. But I think that Dune should be the betting favorite and it is what I'm going to predict because it's a score that always has iconic sounds like the ooh that kind of sounds like Desert Halo. And I think that's just already hard to beat. So supporting actor, moving on. Kieran Hines, Belfast, Troy Kosur, Coda, Jesse Plemons, The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons, Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee, The Power of the Dog. This seems to be a battle between Troy Kosur and Cody Smith-McPhee. McPhee has been alluding a lot with the critics, and I believe he run the Golden Globes, but it feels like Troy Kosur has been kind of hanging around. Like, he's such a sweet performance in Coda. Like, he plays the, the deaf dad, obviously, and he's a real deaf person, and but just his like facial expressions are really incredible. And I think that Coach McPhee had a great role because you can kind of watch that movie and see him in a few different ways. And I think if you rewatch it, you can look at him a little bit more. It's, I think it's a great performance. Um, and, well, I think both of them are great performance. I really genuinely think it's a toss-up. But supporting actors consistently and historically favored older actors. So that's why I'm going to go and predict Coaster. But if I had my way, Adrian Brody would have made it in for the French Dispatch and Adam Driver for the last duel. Although Adam Driver is very arguable the lead, but if he was eligible for the last duel, he would be my winner. And I just thought Adrian Brody gave the funniest performance of the year, and I wish comedic performances were often recognized. The other person that I would really argue for and I feel passionately about was actually my favorite performance in West Side Story, and that's David Alvarez. Um, as uh, I forget his character's name right now. That's really bad of me. Um, but he is the only person I thought was had a believable physicality to be both a gangster and he was killing those dance scenes. So I just thought he has pretty big emotional changes throughout the story. And like, spoiler alert, but it needs to be a tragedy when his character is gone. And Alvarez was kinetic. And I'm surprised like people didn't like rally behind him as the main person at West Side Story. And instead, I heard a lot of pushing for Mike Face to get an Oscar nom. And I didn't feel that raw because uh, that man was only 85 pounds. So film editing is our next category. Oh, just to go say one more thing is that I do predict Coaster on record. Film editing. The nominees were Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom. 
and this category used to be just very very tied to best picture like if you want editing you're gonna win best picture but now i feel like it's rewarding editing that really shapes the movie in unique ways and like the art of editing and some would argue that movies recently have that i've been winning are the movies with the most editing like the most cuts or the craziest decisions i kind of disagree a little bit i think that the most of them have been nominated have been movies where the style of the editing has left a mark on the film mostly positively and i do believe that's what it should be that being said and i am pro quick cut editing and uh, at times and subtle editing at others i think tick tick boom was like a really good use of cutting between different sequences but still maintaining really a lot of clarity and especially with the sound design keeping all that energy for those kind of rock numbers like really made it a very propellant movie where it just went boom 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 i also thought it was really smart to have andrew garfield on screen for about 75 percent of the movie that it really was like watching a singular performance and i think the editing really really kind of kept that unchecked and kept it moving and it's just the word that i used for david alvarez this word i'm going to use for andrew garfield was kinetic and i just thought that the entire tick tick boom was just an experience to watch so i might vote for that um but the other movie on the other side was that had really subtle editing that had to really keep a strong continuity between scenes because so many moments matter where people are looking or the actual distance like in feet between where characters are and that's power of the dog um, because so much of the tension is derived by where people are just like standing. And so I thought that either of those two would be really, really good. And so Power of the Dog was really calm, not a lot of cuts, but very specific cuts. And you had to, and it had to be really perfect or get really confusing and lose a lot of what made the movie great. And tick, 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 boom, the editing kind of was the motivator, I think, for a lot of what made the movie great. So I'm predicting Power of the Dog because it's so strong, but... I have this thing that I like to call similar to Judy Dench as my anti-pick. And my anti-pick is Don't Look Up. I thought the Vice and Big Short Adam McKay's other movies were chaotic and fun to watch. And the quick cutting between scene to scene to scene was really, really actually interesting in that. But I thought Don't Look Up was at times incomprehensible and nonsensical. Like there's parts where halfway through a conversation just starts freeze framing people. And I can't for the life of me think why they thought that was a good decision or what they could have underscored it with to make it a good decision. It just was really, really bizarre. So my anti-pick, my one that I hope doesn't win is Don't Look Up. And But now that we just kind of bagged on the editing and Don't Look Up, I want to move to my favorite part of this year's Oscars, and you're going to be like, wow, Kyle, you're such a nerd if this was your favorite part. As I loved how tied together cinematography and production design were, they shared all five nominees. And cinematography is affected by everything and affects everything. You need, at least on a technical level, Sorry, I had a burp. I'm not cutting that out because I'm lazy. A lot of times the movie comes down to monitoring a good relationship between the technical aspects and story aspects. And the director moderates those two. But the camera and the cinematographer is the center of all the technical production. And you can only put on screen what the camera captures. And so the nominees for these are Dude, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy Macbeth, and West Side Story. Each one of these movies is by an amazing director, but also an amazing cinematographer. And all of these are trying to accomplish different things. And I felt that all of these really displayed great production design. Like the camera captured a lot of very unique sets. And really, all of these movies kind of transported us into a unique world. Like, for example, Dune wanted to bring together some of the most massive scale ever bring on the screen and create a sci-fi world. Obviously, the sci-fi 
kind of helps with why they're able to have massive spaceships. But it was clearly a success. Like watching the movie was epic and awe inspiring. Nightmare Alley wanted to create a very new, even though it took place in like the 30s, wanted to create a modern version of what a new world would look like. And from the snow to the city to the nightmare-inducing carnival, it really created some kind of dream, more but more nightmare-like state. And I thought that was a huge success. And the power of the dog used the cinematography to convey spatial relationships between character and along with the editing and production design where those characters were standing was the primary creative tension in what I thought was probably the most intense movie of the year. And Tragedy Macbeth wanted to create a world inspired by German expressionism and to add the horror thriller aspects to the tragedy of Macbeth. And I thought they really liked that black and white, like endless kind of very sharp architecture and kind of stuff that they were doing with shadows made it just a really dramatic and just like filled a sense of dread onto the viewers. So I tragic Macbeth, that was brilliant. And West Side Story wanted to bring back the epic scale of classic old Hollywood and display these very complex, almost over the top dance numbers and clearly it nailed it. And I think Power of the Dog will ultimately top Dune in cinematography. But I think and that's my prediction. And I think production will be reversed. That in production design, Dune's gonna win and Power of the Dog's gonna not gonna lose. And cinematography, Power of the Dog wins, Dune loses. But any winner in either of these categories deserves this so much. There's absolutely no anti-pick. It would be a really, really good winner. So that's me being happy. And so now on to my favorite awards, which are the screenplay awards. And the five in original screenplay are actually kind of, I think, a weak bunch of the ones I've seen. But I haven't seen two, or I haven't, I haven't seen one of them. Uh, the five in original screenplay are Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Worst Person in the World. And sadly, yeah, I haven't seen Worst Person in the World. Um, but these are not what I would have voted for. And if I was given a vote, I would have voted for Nightmare Alley. Anyways, I think that Paul Thomas Anderson wins his first Oscar here, mostly off career success um, for Licorice Pizza. Because I don't think Belfast is like so strong that's going to win it. I could see Don't Look Up having a strong fan base that votes for it. But I think that Paul Thomas Anderson just has like the level of respect that he can win with Licorice Pizza in kind of an open field. But Adapted Screenplay is a pretty epic showdown. So Tony Kushner missed for West Side Story. Absolutely shocked. That was probably the most shocked I was at any moment in the ceremony or in the announcement video. But the five nominees are Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and Power of the Dog. I'm confident Power of the Dog is going to win this, and I would vote for it, so I predict it. Um, and I had hoped to see Tick Tick Boom here, but at the expense of what, I am not sure. Even though I have not been able to see Drive My Car or The Lost Daughter, I believe that they're good. Maybe I will be like, oh, man, Tick Tick Boom was better than those two. But like, I think Dune made it because of the reputation of how unadaptable that story is. Even though I saw some people complain that after they adapted it well, it did made, but I fully disagree. I think they did a really great, good job painting, like creating, mo like maintaining momentum in this story while also developing this world and these characters. It's really epic. It was very hard. I think it could have been very incomprehensible for people, but it made it very simple and very, very, very good. And Drive My Car Lost Dog, I believe they're good. And Coda was just so sweet so sweet even though i like tick tick boom better i don't i'm not gonna hate on coda so now finally after almost 20 minutes we're on to the big four words that people care about so that's javier bardem oh 
Yes, Javier Bardem is award himself. No, I meant to say best actor. So the first actor that got nominated alphabetically, but is probably the only one that's out. Or we'll get to that in a second, but that's Javier Bardem and being the Cardos. The other one was Andrew Garfield and Tick, Tick, Boom. Denzel Washington and Tragedy Macbeth. Will Smith and King Richard. And Benedict Cumberbatch and the Power of the Dog. This is an interesting category because the race is generally considered three man with Garfield as the third impossible upset. But really, people are painting it as a showdown between Cumberbatch and Will Smith. And Will Smith has that overdue narrative and false force, while Cumberbatch is in the presumptive Best Picture winner. And people really like him in the movie, so it's kind of going to carry him. Well, a lot of people say Garfield has these passionate fans that may really vote for him. But I say, if it's a three-man race, then it's a five-man race. There's only five spots. There's not enough room to split the vote that many ways. And everyone kind of has mathematically a chance at this point, even though realistically, I don't see Javier Bardem winning for this. But I do think that this is Denzel's 10th nomination. He's got two Oscars before we know people are going to vote for him. He's Denzel Washington. He'll deserve it. I am going to predict Cumberbatch, but I'm just saying that if he's a three-man race and a five-person nominee thing, I think that leads it to be possibly a five-man race because you just can't split, you just can't split the vote that many ways. That's all I'm saying. So an actress is the nominees are Jessica Chastain, Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman, and being their cars and Kristen Storm and Spencer. Technically, Kidman has the most support in the precursors so far in this race, but it's not like super strong precursors, so I don't feel it. I have also not in the store heart, I just store heart hype. She missed SAG. I think there's just a lot of stuff going against her for this win. And then I'll, for the on the topic of Penelope Cruz, it's just I'm not sure if she's going to win actress from a foreign film. I think that's really difficult. And there's probably a good chance a lot of people didn't like see that movie. So therefore, I have it between Chastain and Coleman. And Chastain was the frontrunner so early, she flipped around and became an underdog. And she has an extremely consistent, unwavering support for this moment, for this performance. So I think she has a good shout. But in the end, I think Coleman is going to hold the gold statue. Why? She has been garnering attention for every role she's been in the last few years. And even though she's already won, I think that she's just loved by the Academy and she's going to prevail in the end. There's also a really strong British voters block that I could see really going behind her rather than the other actresses that are nominated. So best director, Kenneth Branagh, Belfast, Ugg, Risuke Hamaguchi, Drive My Car, um, to be determined how I feel about that. Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza. If I started complaining about Paul Thomas Anderson being nominated now, I'd be such a hypocrite because while that wasn't my favorite movie, I can't complain for a guy that I love so much having success. Jane Campion, Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg, West Side Story. I'm anti-Belfast. That's very clear, I think, from this podcast, but I'm extremely anti-Belfast. I have not seen Hamaguchi's film, and... But I, and Campion right now is such a big favorite. But I personally see in scenario where Spielberg upsets. Campion can win Spielberg. Or she can't win Spielberg. Can win screenplay. Power Dog will probably collect actor, cinematography, screenplay. So that's three awards with good chances in supporting actor and editing. So that's five. And score and able winning score or production design are completely ridiculous either. So supporting actress is also, supporting actress is probably somewhere in the unlikely but plausible territory. Sound is the only thing where I think it's clearly on the outside. So now watch it win. But that's like three sure wins, two probables, and three maybes. It could win anywhere, I think, from three to eight awards. 
already at this point in the night, not even including best director, best picture. And sleeps like that just really haven't been happening anymore. You look at La La Land, it was able to win best director, but failed to win best picture. And I think it's going to be kind of a flip around from that um, from that situation with La La Land and Moonlight, where Spielberg actually wins and he, because he's become the first director to be nominated in six different decades. And he has two best director awards. But it may be that moment. We don't know what he's going to do further in his career. He's never going to retire. He's Spielberg. But I think that this is going to be a moment where a lot of people get behind him to finally vote for him for that third, even if they're not like West Side Story isn't their number one best picture pick. Um, and I think Powers of the Dog could still cruise to victory in, in the picture, but Spielberg is a power in director. And West Side Story is a stronger candidate than anything he's had since Saving Private Ryan, with a possible exception for Lincoln. I'm just saying I could see it. And you know what? I'm even going to be risky. I'm just going to straight up predict it. So our final category is Beck's picture. And that's Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, and The Power of the Dog. And oh, that's only nine. There's one more. There's West Side Story. And this is done with a preferential ballot system. People say the system leads to safe choices being the winners. And I feel that's completely untrue because No Man Land, Parasite, Shape of Water, and Moonlight all went under the system. The only safe choice was Green Book. And so what I think it benefits movies that people are passionate about, which is probably a good thing, because the system works by everyone ranking their choices 1 through 10. The movie with the least amount of number one rankings is eliminated. Then those people, number two becomes their number one. And once the movie is over 50% of the number ones on everybody's list, it wins. I hope that made sense. People say that this benefits movies people agree on as number five. I don't agree. If 33% of people have Don't Look Up at number one, it hangs around pretty much all the way to the end. Even if the other 66.7% have it at the bottom. If everyone agrees that movie of five, the movie becomes dead very fast, either on the first or second round. So the secret to win is to have a lot of support, which is not that surprising, but not have people hate you to put you at rock bottom. The Power Dog clearly has passion with 12 nominations, and I don't think a substantial portion of the Academy hates it. I think it will run into anti-streamer bias, but so will Coda, Don't Look Up, and probably King Richard. Is it too much to go through every single... It's too much to go through every single movie and how much it has a chance and how passionate his fans are and how much those fans might also hate another contender. But my opinion is I can see people being very passionate about Coda, West Side Story, and Don't Look Up. Uh, just by things that people have said. And Coda West Side Story are safe bets that could benefit from this voting, but also because there's enough people to put them at one and then like number four. But I think Don't Look uh, Up is also the type of movie that could get a lot of ones and a lot of last place votes, but enough people that put it at like a middling, like five to, or like a range from three to five could actually give it a plurality, I think. So even though I call the power of the dog as winning and I just kind of outlined a more likely scenario for Coda and West Side Story to garner that type of priority, I'm going to throw in an upset pick and like a worry, kind of an anti pick of like, I think there is a scenario where Don't Look Up wins and whether that's a disaster in your mind or a travesty or like a big win, you can decide. But I think it's closer to more being like a, that's an odd one, but at least it would be a comedy on one hand but forget it predicting power of the dog and thank you for listening